message you're about to listen to is from the Household of David Higher Ground Conference 2022, themed The Sound of Trumpets. We believe that this message has been inspired by God to take you to higher ground. Be blessed as you listen. That we will not read about because we are living witnesses. Such an honor to have here tonight, all the way from the city of Abuja. <laughs> Hallelujah. A lot of mighty people are coming out of Abuja. <laughs> That's why there should be a children in Abuja tonight. <laughs> we are so honored to have in our soul of David again, Apostle Mike Oruk. Let's appreciate God in his life. Somebody give the Lord a shout. It's truly, truly, truly an honor to be here this evening. You know, when an elder is introducing you, it's easier for him to say, let's have him, God will help. <laughs> but when he doesn't introduce you like that, then you are in trouble. And so tonight, let me reintroduce myself. I pray that God will help me. <laughs> let's celebrate our father, the apostolic leader over this house, God's servant, Pastor Shola Oshuma Kinde and his wife. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma. Truly an honor to be here. I don't take it for granted. Thank you for the tall privilege of allowing me stand here to speak to God's people. I know what God does in this place. I know what you command in the spirit. And I also know you are an elder. And so I'm humbled to be here to share with God's people. Thank you so much for the privilege. Praise God. I want to salute all the ministers that are here this evening. Thank you for making our time to come. It's not because you don't have what to do. It's just because you believe in brotherhood and in the corporate fellowship. God bless you richly. Thank you for coming. My dear brother, Dr. Bukola Williams, it's so good to see you. I want to sincerely honor God for what he's put on his servant, Minister Okopi Peterson. When he was done ministering, I wish we'd just go home and pray. Because the glory truly descended. He's a phenomenal minister of God, doing great things for the Lord. Thank you for the sounds that you bring to the body of Christ. The Lord honor you richly in Jesus' name. Because tonight is the earlier part of the conference, I will try to keep the momentum down a bit and to... <laughs> I know some of you are people of the realms. 
but look around you. See the, see the crowd. So let's define terms and establish the coordinates because very senior ministers are coming and I know they will be talking from the heights of the heavens. And so it's important for us to establish certain coordinates so that the conference will have some form of perspective in the name of Jesus. Are you ready? Lift your hands and honor the Lord one more time. Father, we thank you for what you're already doing. We ask that your name be glorified. We ask that you take the praise and you ask that, Lord, everyone here trusting you for an encounter, we have much more than they expect and their lives will never remain the same again. Take all the praise, take all the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you so much, choir. What an awesome choir. Three things combined in one choir. Excellence, creativity, and presence. That's a full package. Praise God. So you reign. You ancient Zion's king. Kadosh, Kadosh. You are mighty on your throne. You reign, you ancient Zion's king. Kadosh, Kadosh. You reign, you reign, you reign. function of the height where you operate from. When you begin to study the angelic structure, you will discover that the rankings of angels is directly proportional to the height where they operate. John said, I was in the eye called Patmos and I saw visions of God. And he said an angel brought a message to him. And he began to see the realities of the glory realm until a while later he heard the same voice speak to him and the angel said come up here when he went higher in the spirit 
He was not just told a message. He now began to participate in the civilizations of the world to come. The first angel met him in the Isle of Patmos. But the second angel extended an invitation to him. And so he was no longer hearing things to come. Because at first, he was hearing things that should happen in the hereafter. But when he was summoned, he became a participator. Because when you go higher, more is committed to you. And when he went higher, the Bible said he saw a strong angel. And the angel began to show him scrolls. And part of the things that were captured in the scrolls were the destinies of men. Because they began to show him the things that was, the things that is, and the things that should come. And he began to weep. He said, I wept much. Because suddenly he saw the fate of man and it was hopeless. He said, no man was worthy to open the seals, to open the scrolls and to read the seals. And suddenly, while he was weeping with a strong angel, an elder came from a higher realm. And the elder said to him, weep not. There's a realm beyond the scroll. He said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed. He met three categories of beings in heaven operating at different levels of authority. Now, the reason I said this was to let you know that even in our fellowship, the kinds of things we pipe down are a function of the height where we are operating. And when we begin to interact with God as holy, because there are different realms of interacting with God. There's a realm of God's benevolence where he brings salvation to you. But there's a realm where God is holy, where the judgments of God dwell. In that realm, it is legalistic matters that happen. The reason I sang the song, Holy, is because we want to go high. <laughs> you reign, you reign, you reign. begin to do the business of trumpets. You know, the Jewish people believe the world was created in September. Meanwhile, it's important to understand that the Jewish people have the best record, undefined record about this universe. You can find documents in the Pentagon. You can find documents in different places. None is as accurate as the document from the Jewish people. That's why they are the only people that can trace their ancestry to the first man. And so when they speak, listen. When you hear the book of Matthew, it traced humanity back to Adam. And one thing they believe is that the world was created in September. In fact, they also believe that Adam was created in September. That's why they celebrate the feast of Rosh Hashanah. In the month of September, the feet of trumpets. It's actually a time not to celebrate. 
primarily is a time to repent. Because they know that when you come back to September, the earth is reset. So God comes back and when he shows up, he comes with judgment. So everybody aligns themselves. There is a 10 period, 10 days of fasting where everybody purge themselves before God so that when he comes, you will qualify to participate in the business of kingdom. Because in the business of kingdom, God is not just coming to give. God is recruiting men. And so this same September, there will be a change of gate. Gatekeepers, there will be a change. Gatekeepers will be replaced. Because when the king comes, it is those who are in alignment that he will give scepters to. And so this conference is not just another conference. It's a time where men will be forged to be able to handle scepters and carry out business in the courts of heaven. Where thrones speak louder than voices. <laughs> My God. When I came to minister, some of the angels that came with me, I saw that they were clothed with fire. And so God told me there will be purging tonight. Purging, purging, purging. Purgings will take place. Because the, the seraphims need to touch some of us with the coals of fire. You know, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I was prophesying about nations until I came to the courtroom and the business in that realm was not about gifted men. It was a business of thrones. And so they began to check what is the qualification that you have? What are your credentials? What is the level of your purity? And so he said, one of the angels took one of the coals from the midst of the fire and touched my tongue. The moment it came out from there, he was not just talking about nation. He began to prophesy about the Messiah because that was the highest operation of his office. Men will come into the ordination because there will be purification. Seraphims will walk through our midst tonight. Seraphims, carriers of the coals of fire. And some of you will not even wait for the message to be over. Because you came for an encounter. Even before the month of September, God already told you to wait upon him. Because you picked the signals from heaven. And so I speak to sent men. I speak to watchers. I speak to gatekeepers. Every custodian in our midst that the deception and the treachery of this generation is trying to contaminate. I come with the powers of purity in the spirit and in the similitude of Elijah. And I said, the carriers of fire by the spirit of God, let the flames begin to move. I'm seeing a fire come on, on people's head. As I'm talking now, I'm seeing a flames, flames standing on people's head like it was in the day of Pentecost. It flames, fire, 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 fire. I'm about to teach, but fire, there is a session that has opened. I see flames standing on people's head. Wherever they are, ushers, please help them quickly. I see flames of fire. Take that fire now. It is time for the summoning of songs. And I came for such as this.
of the Holy Ghost now there is a fire coming upon them very quickly it's a ceremony of, of, of trumpets sounds of the spirit bringing dimension can you please help me bring them quickly this one's an, I'm, I'm, when I begin to do the impartations at the end of the teaching I may not call for them but these are special messengers I see a flame come upon them touch now that fire holy
because of our time, I will begin to teach. But at some point, we will trust God for a shift. Because in this weekend, many will be carried to the glory. Because there are equippings that will take place in the presence. In the presence. And so God will lift, will shift men, literally, to realms and dimensions. Some of you, the things you heard of, some the things you read, you will participate in it. You will experience and you will touch. John said the things that we heard, we saw, we looked upon, and our hands handled. In this weekend, your hands will handle the glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You may be seated. Sagabaro Sagida Akatalish Veneles Gagarado Sagabania Mantekiba Rakida Donde Sagatalish Barado Sagavrinata Those of them trying to run, please hold them so they don't injure themselves. As I began. It's important for us to understand that we have been invited to participate in a civilization of spirits. Even though the things we share can be communicated by the help of the Holy Spirit through words, they are deeper than words. The things we share are embodiments of a reality of another civilization. And so it's important for us to discern it from that realm in order to make the most of it. The Bible says to walk out, to manifest, to bring to bear your salvation with fear and with trembling. That means until you begin to tremble at the reality, it will not appear. A reality will remain a theory or a story to you until you tremble at it. The power that causes reality to manifest is not tied to the cognitive interpretation. It's tied to the depth of reverence and discernment. And so everything we'll be sharing in the course of this conference, every minister that will be coming is coming to align to a sound from heaven. The Holy Ghost has given a marching order and there are functionaries from Zion that will guide the tongues of ministers to ensure that they communicate the emphasis of the Spirit. Because we are not coming here as special people. We are coming here as servants of the presence to communicate that which God wants to communicate because everything we share becomes a pathway into a reality because men have to come up either. Tonight, 
I want to share with you seven spiritual realities that makes for ascension in the spirit. Because the things we want to consider are matters of higher grounds. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 8, the Bible said, if a trumpet makes an unusual sound, he said, who will prepare for battle? That means sounds in the spirit are awakenings for different possibilities. A sound could summon you to battle. And a sound can also bring a reality to your ecosystem. He said, the son of man shall descend with a shout. And he said, we will be changed like the twinkling of an eye. And so sounds are not just for excitement. When we talk about trumpets, we are talking about definite bodies of truth and realities that provoke different realities in our lives and in our ecosystem. And so tonight, I want to share seven of those realities that provoke an activation and a summoning to a higher ground so that your spiritual experiences can be altered and the things you can command can also be affected. The quality of your, the kind of authority you operate is a function of the height you are speaking from. And the height you are speaking from is what determines the quality of your existence. Meanwhile, before I delve into these realities, it's important for me to let us know tonight that our existence would have been a waste except as we are able to manifest three things. The first thing that makes your, your existence worthwhile is your ability to host and to reflect the glory of God. The Bible said in Romans 3.23, it said, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means the plan of God is for man to internalize and to reflect his glory. God did not create a man as part of of other animals walking on the face of the earth. The last time I came here, I told us that there are three kinds of life that power man. And man is the only creature that is powered at the same time by three kinds of life. In you is the animal life called bios. And that life, according to Leviticus 17 verse 11, he said it's in the blood. That's why if, a hand, if the hand of a man is cut off, that hand can still function for a while because there is a life in the blood of that man. And then there is the soulish life that is in Genesis 2, 7. It says God breathed into his nostrils and the man became a living soul. It's called suche. That is the life that powers the mind. And then you have the spiritual life that powers your spirit, which is called the bio, the, the, the zoe of God. So man operates as a strange creature. But the reason God created all of that infrastructure is because God wanted man to be the only entity in creation that hosts and manifests his glory. That's why in Genesis 1 26, it said, God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So the glory of God is what defines existence. If they look at you and they cannot see the glory of God, if you move and you cannot manifest the glory of God, then respectfully speaking, there is no difference between us and the animals. What qualifies us 
and makes us better than the animals we rear is the fact that we are not all just breathing oxygen. It's the fact that we carry the glory of God as a definition of our existence. The second thing that gives value to our existence is the ability to tap into the economy of God and, and, and pick out his will for our life and live it. He said to Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 1.5, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, it would not have been necessary for you to be formed. The reason it became necessary for you to be formed is that in my holistic agenda, there is a peculiar assignment I have apportioned to you. And so he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I sanctified you. I separated you unto myself. Because I know when you go into the world, many spirits will want to get your attention. Because man is the legal entity that reflects the purposes of spirits on the face of the earth. And so I sanctified you before I sent you to the earth. And the reason is because there is an agenda I want you to carry out. And so when men come into this world, what gives them value is their ability to discern that divine agenda and live it. And the third thing that defines the quality of man's existence is his ability to glorify God. In John 15 verse 8, they say, Herein is the Father glorified, that you bear forth fruit and your fruit abide. And so when a man is not a representation of the glory of God, when a man is not living out God's specific assignment and agenda for him, and when a man's life is not glorifying God, it would have been better if he was never born. And so what defines the new birth is not the fact that you are walking on earth. What defines birth is the fact that now you reflect glory, now you live out the will of God, and now your life glorifies God. The reason we want to gain ascension tonight is because these things are in the spirit. The reason you find many confused people is because they've not heard the sound that take men to the spirit. He said he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, but they are in the heavenly places. They are not on earth. If you live and end your existence in the natural, then your life will not have meaning where it matters. And so tonight, we came to hear sounds. And there are seven kinds of sounds that activate destiny. There are seven kinds of sounds that defines existence. There are seven kinds of sounds that bring you to that point where you become a host of the glory. Living out the will of God and glorifying God in return. What we define ourselves by, unfortunately, because of the four are mundane things. But, um, but that is not God's plan. Because there are many people on earth who are godless, who don't know God and who don't care about God, that have excelled very well in the mundane thing. According to Jesus, he said the mundane things are additions. They are not the things we fight for. He said the mundane things are supposed to be byproducts of impactful existence. And so tonight, we want to hear and understand the kinds of sounds that bring men to the realm of God so that they begin to manifest the glory, live out the will of God, and glorify God every second of their lives. There are seven kinds of sound. It's the Feast of Trumpets. 
So I want to talk a bit about sounds. Thank God for the vuvuzela. It's a symbolism of a reality. When we blow the vuvuzela, it's a sign of something in the spirit. It's a, it holds a deeper significance in the spirit. Because you may hear the vuvuzela and not hear the spiritual sound. And so there are seven kinds of sounds. I begin with one tonight. I hope I'll be able to cover the seven by tomorrow morning. <laughs> when I start talking and I look at time, time is a body. Time is a body. The angels are actually the ones enjoying because they live in the realm that is not governed by time. An angel can be here worshiping for 100 years and it will be like a moment. The Bible says forever and ever, day and night, it said the four beasts, they worship God forever and ever, day and night. There is not such a thing as getting tired. Energies don't deplete and time is not there to define longevity. It's always a moment because the glory saturates. A day will come when we will worship beyond the stars. That a man must hear for his life to be redefined is called the gospel. The gospel or the good news is a sound in the spirit. Many have not heard the gospel. And so tonight, as I attempt just to explain a bit, I will show you three things that happens when you hear the gospel. Because the way you qualify a spiritual thing is not based on the cognitive interpretation you give to it. It's based on the level of transformation it impacts on you. It said, thou shalt know the truth. The truth shall make you free. The proof that you know the truth is liberty. It's not what you say. If you are sick, you don't know healing. If you are living in sin, you don't know righteousness. If you are living in fear, you don't know faith. That's how spiritual things are defined. When you come to a scholastic corridor, you can argue from your brain. That's why there are many theologians today who don't know Jesus. Put three phrases in the Bible. They will tell you everywhere it is. They are like concordances. But they don't know the power thereof. Because they can say it, they don't know it. Knowledge in the spirit is experience. The word is epignosis. Because when you know something must be born, it's like in tacos. The proof that you know a woman is not that you hear or talk about her. The proof that you know a woman, help the brother, is the fact that an offspring comes out as a testimony that there is a carnal knowledge that exists somewhere. And that's how spiritual things work. And so tonight, the first sound that we must hear is the sound of the gospel. If a generation don't hear the sound of the gospel, they will become religious people trying to please God and killing themselves hoping that in doing so God will be happy because they don't know what God has done 
If a generation does not hear the gospel, they will end up as legalists. Thinking that on the strength of their legalism, they are doing that which pleases God. But they don't know the standards of God. And so tonight, the first sound that will bring genuine liberty to us and to cause us to walk where the heritage of God is, is the sound of the gospel. Thank God you are a Bible-believing church. So I know that again and again, you interact with God, the gospel of Jesus. But of course, we are talking to missed audience tonight. And we are talking to people beyond this auditorium. And so very quickly, there are three things I want to bring out as tokens of the gospel. And everyone that's heard the gospel must know these things by experience. Number one is the love and faithfulness of God. Number two is the light of truth that is in Christ Jesus. And number three is the righteousness of God. When a man hears the sound of the gospel, he knows the love of God by experience, he knows the truth of God by experience, and he knows the righteousness of God and lives it out by experience. Now, when Paul was talking about the gospel, there were few things he began to unravel to us. And he showed us the corridors and the channels through which the gospel is communicated. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4, when he was attempting to show us the channel through which the gospel is communicated, he listed three things. Number one, he spoke of the death of Jesus Christ. He spoke of what Jesus endured on the cross and how he died. He spoke of the barrier of Jesus Christ and he spoke of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, these three things Paul itemized are the vehicles through which the gospel is communicated. If all you talk about is the cross, you may end up telling people a story and they will not know the gospel. Because people can hear the story of the cross and not interact with the gospel. If you talk to people about the death of Jesus, they can hear about an event and not interact with the gospel. If you talk to people that Jesus rose from the dead, sometimes they will marvel and begin to debate and they may not know the gospel. Because these are the vehicles through which the gospel is communicated. The cross reveals to us the love of the Father. So when Paul was talking about the cross, it was an attempt to reveal the love of the Father to us. If you have not known the love of the Father, the message of the cross you heard is a story. And I can tell you all the details of what happened on the cross. And many theologians know everything about the cross and they have a bogus doctrine, but they don't know the love of the Father. And this is why you find many of these people still living unto themselves and not unto the Lord. Because they know the theology, but they don't know the love. It is the love of the Father that necessitated the activity on the cross. And when the activity of the cross is known, the love of the Father is activated in the heart of a man. When that love is activated, it takes you somewhere. You see, there are three dimensions through which we explain the love of the Father through the cross. The first dimension is the finished works of Christ. 
The second dimension is the reward system of heaven. The third dimension is the message of the judgment and reward of God. You can route the cross through any of these dimensions. For example, when you teach about hell, when you teach about the judgment to come, there are two major things that comes to heart and comes to mind. The first is the fact that without accepting what happened on the cross, there's no way God can forgive you because spirits don't forgive. There is no spirit that forgives. Forgiveness does not exist in the spirit realm. Make no mistakes about it. Every time the word forgive is used, is the word aphesis. It means to wash away. A spirit cannot forgive. That's why when God saw sin on Jesus, he forgot for a moment that Jesus was part of the Godhead. He killed him. Jesus, the only begotten son, sin came to him and God didn't forgive him and say, oh, this is my son. He killed Jesus. Anybody that carries sin must die. And so when you carry sin out of time, there is a place set aside. In Revelation chapter 20, from verse 11 to 15, the Bible said, I saw a great white throne. And he said, all the earth ran towards it. And he said, books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And he said, any man whose name is not found in the book of life, he said, that man is cast into the lake of fire. He said, even those that died before, he said, they will be summoned back from Hades. Those that died in the sea, they will be summoned. Because there's no escape. The white throne is the separation between condemnation and glorification. And condemnation and glorification are the two eternal destinations that exist. Whether you cross over to glorification or condemnation is a function of the white throne. But what will renavigate you from the white throne to glorification is when you pass through the cross of Jesus Christ. So the message of the cross can be taught from the perspective of the judgment of God. I was teaching them in church last week and I told them, the gospel we heard has set us up. The gospel you heard, they told you, you can do what you want. You can fornicate. God will forgive you. There is such a thing called judgment in Zion. And I will tell you, if you study the Bible, Paul made a statement in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. He said, there remained for me a crown of life. That is called glorification. Glorification has different layers. Many people will go to heaven. They will go to heaven because they accepted Christ. But they didn't teach them the full message of the cross from the perspective of judgment. They taught them the message of the cross from the perspective of the benevolence of God. And they stopped there. If you continue to sin, you will have no inheritance. Because when Paul was talking about the crown of life, he didn't talk about sin. It has nothing to do with sin. It has everything to do with the fact that having known the love of the Father on the cross, the love of the Father constrains you. When you know the love of God, the love of God is not just something you sing about. The love of God constrains you to live for God. And so when people don't know the cross from the side of the judgments of God, they think the cross is a ticket for lasciviousness. And you hear people tell you things like, even if they fornicate, they will still, God will still forgive them. Even if they still lie, God will forgive them. Even if they take bribe, God will forgive them. Welcome to judgment. Everybody lying, everybody fornicating, everybody stealing is a child. And the heir, so long as he's a child, 
is not different from a servant. The judgment of God will forbid him from allowing you taste of glorification. Glorification is an understanding of the love of the Father from the cross in the perspective of judgment. Have you noticed in 1 John chapter 2 verse 1, he said, I write unto you children, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. First John chapter 2 verse 12, he said, I write unto you children, your sins are forgiven for, the, for, the, for his name's sake. Every time there was forgiveness, he was talking to children. When they became men, when they became adults, he was no longer talking forgiveness. Because adults in the kingdom, they fight a good fight. They keep the faith. Adults in the kingdom, they fight a good fight. When challenges come, when temptation come, they don't just remember the cross as a token of love. They also remember the cross as the pathway of the judgments of God. They remember the cross as a pathway that God is a just God. The same way he could not overlook sin, that's how he will not reward you when you don't deserve it. If God could not overlook sin and killed man, killed his son for sin to be taken, God cannot overlook lasciviousness. If a man does not qualify for reward, there will be no reward for him. And so when you get to heaven, you will discover that there are seven layers of glory. One is called the crown of life. The crown of life is not for every believer. The crown of life is for those who have fought a good fight. It's for those who have kept the faith. In James chapter 1 verse 12, James was talking and he said, having endured trials and tribulation, he said there remains a crown of life. Why is that so? Because the revelation of the love of the cross is that the love of the Father constrains us. He said, for we thus judge that if one died for all, they that live no longer live unto themselves, but they live for him that died for them. That is from the dimension of judgment. There is another dimension of the message of the cross. The other dimension of the message of the cross is from the benevolence of God. He said, if he did not withhold his only son, but freely gave him for us, how shall he not with him give us all things? So in the cross, we build an assurance that everything that belongs to God belongs to us. In the cross, we have an assurance that we are no longer trying to please God to impress God or to receive from God. Everything God has is already ours. And so when you see us come to God with confidence it's because we realize that he made him that was without sin to become sin for us so that we through him might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the cross is what gives us assurance to approach God. It is also called the love of the Father. But the problem believers have is that they only judge the love of the Father from his benevolence. The cross have four sides. There is a Godward side, there is a side of Hades, and there is a side that extends to different dimensions of the world. The cross does not just speak of benevolence. The cross also speaks of reward. And reward is a requirement of the kingdom that God expects of every reasonable one who has tasted of the love of God to come under the government of the Holy Spirit, living in constraint because he honors God and he serves God. This is the first dimension of the cross. On one side, God loves you so much that he decided to give you his son. On another side, because you have known the love of God, you will not do anything that displeases God. You cannot claim that you know the love of God that he gave you his son and then you are hurting God every day. That thing you are saying is a joke. If you have known the love of God and you profess that he gave you his son, the way you show it is through reasonable living. 
That's why he said, I write unto you, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Living righteously is not out of fear. Living righteously is out of love. It is a love that constrains. But many have not heard the message of the cross. They taught them one part of it, and that part made them lascivious. They told them that Jesus was exchanged for them on the cross. They told them that Jesus was substituted for them on the cross. They told them that all their sins were forgiven. And they forgot to tell them that that same cross where Jesus hung was also a testimony of God's faithfulness, of God's justice, and of, of God's fidelity. On the strength of God's justice, God's fidelity, he could not overlook sin, so Christ died for you. On that same strength of God's fidelity, he cannot reward you unless you live in serving his purpose all your life. This is why believers are lascivious. This is why believers are weak because they think there's only forgiveness with God. No. The same way there is plenteous redemption, that same way there is plenteous judgment. And the judgment of God is what determines the glory that you command in the world to come. Many believers don't know the love of God. They think the love of God is a ticket for lasciviousness. They think the love of God is a sign of God's weakness. They think the love of God is, is, is foolishness on the part of God. So they, could, they can outsmart God at will. And so you'll find many Christians, pious, sanctimonious in church, look for them on Monday. They are different personalities. When they come to church, they act before God as though they are, they are, as though they are grateful. They act before God as though they are humble. They act before God as though they appreciate what he has done. But the moment they turn out of church, they become another man. Thank you for what you are doing in church. But God will not judge you based on what you do in church alone. When God wants to judge you, he will look for you in your office. When God wants to judge you, he will look for you in the market. When God wants to judge you, he will look for you in your family. How do you live there? That's the sign that you know the love of God. Many don't know the love of God. They taught us one part of the love of God. And because they taught us one part of the love of God, we have misinterpreted the love of God for weakness. When you come to the city of Lagos on Sunday, it's dry. Everybody's in church. But when you come on Monday, you wonder if it was church they went to on Sunday. There are certain streets you go to, you are literally scammed by somebody who bears Emmanuel. His name is Emmanuel, but he's scamming you outrightly. As you are walking on the street, somebody who, 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 who is called Mary is scamming you. Somebody who is called Peter is scamming you. You go to the police station, you find many Pauls line up. And you are wondering, what kind of Paul is this? Is it the same Paul that met Jesus and hazarded his life for the gospel? Because they came to church and all they taught them were the benevolence of God. They didn't teach them that a day will come when they will take off this garment. And when they step into eternity, they will step into eternity because of the cross and it's also because of the cross that they will be valued in eternity. Because the judgment and the justice of God that allowed you to walk into eternity is the same justice that will give you reward. And if that justice finds you wanting, the same way he didn't look at Jesus on the cross with pity, he will not look at you with pity. And so the Bible said, even in heaven, after the new Jerusalem is poured, he said there will be gnashing of teeth. Because many will cry, even in Zion. Because the worst torment is not necessarily Hades. The worst torment 
is when your bishopric is taken. And then you go to heaven, you find where you should sit with Christ. But you discover that that seat belongs to somebody else. Because your name was not on the seat. It's your righteousness that puts you there. And so when the time comes, God will judge you based on the degree to which you align with his growth. And you will discover that everything you denied God for on earth, you left it on earth. That means you didn't know the things that really matters. The cross reveals the love of God, but the love of God is twofold. There's a dimension of the love of God that accepts you the way you are. And the reason he does is because Jesus took the price for you. But there's another dimension of the cross that brings you into the family of God and rates you based on how you appreciated what Jesus did on the cross. All of it is called the love of God. Our generation needs to know the second dimension of the love of God. Forget this gospel where they treat people. People stand up and say, all of us are sinners. All of us are we. Not all of us are sinners. To hell with that gospel from the pit of Hades. They tell us garbage. And this is why men no longer contend for holiness. They say, I write unto you children because your sins are forgiven. When he came to young men, he didn't talk about sin. He said, I write unto you because you are strong. The word of the Lord abides in you. You have overcome the evil one. They are overcomers walking on this earth. When he came to the fathers, he didn't talk about sin. He said, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. Because while we are walking on the earth, they are setting among us that are already going to heaven. Somebody went to see one of the fathers of faith and they kept him for four hours. And when the man came out, he said, I'm very sorry, Isaiah was talking to me. Because they've known him, that is from the beginning. They are sitting on earth today that are already interacting with heaven. Paul said, I know a man many years ago, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He said, but that man was carried to the third heaven. They are those that are doing business in the heavens now while they are yet on earth. Jesus was walking in Nazareth and he said, the son of man, which is in heaven. He didn't say, which we go to heaven. The day he ascended was not the day he started going to heaven. He lives from heaven. Because they know him that is from the beginning. When you know the love of God, the love of God will constrain you. You will do everything to please the father. And this is when the presence of God becomes your dwelling place. The presence of God becomes your abode. He said that they that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, they abide under the shadow. People don't know the journeys to come. That's why they don't attach priority to serving God and to pleasing God. Because the message of the cross was not taught them correctly. Moses, the Bible said, for 40 days, he will sit there waiting. Because that was what mattered to him. But today, if a man has a contract to submit or to bid for, he can be awake all night. If a man is looking for a job proposal, he can be awake all night. If a man wants to go to his in-law's place, he can be awake all night. Because we pursue earthly things only. When you know the message of the cross, you can be awake all night just telling him, I love you. When you know the message of the cross, you can find a deal that can change your life forever, but it is fraudulent and you can say no. All of that is still the love of God. The love of God is not just unconditional acceptance. 
the love of God is also the basis for the reward system of Zion. If the truth of God is not taught correctly, we will not have many overcomers. We will have many Christians, but we will not have many overcomers. And they don't reward Christians in heaven. They reward overcomers. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 26, it said, they that overcome and keep my word. It said, I will give them the nations. Go and read Revelation. You will not find the name of Christian there. You will not find a believer there. They don't use the word believer in heaven. Because all of us are already believers. They check us by another credential. Are you an overcomer? But you will not be an overcomer until like Paul, you know the cross. You know the love of God that comes from the cross. And that kind of love constrains men. Many don't know that love. When you call for a miracle service, everywhere is packed. Call for impartation, everywhere is packed. Because our selfishness is still what powers us. But when you begin to check things that, 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 that works out a dimension of death in our soul, things that work down a dimension of self-denial, you can no longer find men. Call for evangelism and see the number, the real size of your church. The real size of your church is not in the miracle service. The real size of your church is in the prayer meeting. The real size of your church is in the evangelism meeting. That's where you know those that know the second dimension of love. Those who are dying for him daily. Those who submit to the governments of God. And until the prayer meetings and the evangelism meeting become larger than the miracle service, we have not started raising songs. He said the love of Christ constrains us. For we thus judge that if one died for all, they which live no longer live unto themselves. They live for him that died for them. How many of us live for him that died for us? And this is why there are vacuums in the spirit. There are vacuums. Church is full, but there are vacuums in the spirit. God is looking for who we go to the nations. God is looking for who we stand at the gate. God is looking for who we bear the reproach of the Lord. He can't find them. Church pew is full, but the spirit realm, they are vacuums. They are vacuums. The only way they could find a man, they had to lure him to Patmos. Because Patmos is the land of death. The word Patmos means death. That's the island of death. That's where you can find the kind of men that can feel the spirit realm. It was in Patmos that they caught him. Say, come up, Peter. Church can be full, but the spirit realm will be vacant. Because there are no guidance. There are no custodians. There are no watchers. Everybody is here for his belly. And so many times, when God wants to teach us love, he will take us back to Patmos. Or he will take us to Golgotha, where the flesh is decimated. It is the place of the skull. Only bones exist there. At that place, you can now hear the sound of heaven. If not, you won't hear this trumpet. This trumpet, those who hear it, are those who are in the island of death. That's why he said, I heard a sound as of a trumpet. And as I turned, he said, I saw seven golden lampstands. For the heavens to open, a generation must be led again to Patmos, the land of death. The church has become a ground of pampering people. We have intelligent messages. We have promises. We have impartations. But we are full of flesh. And so the warriors of the kingdom are no more. Vacuums in the spirit. 
and God is still searching. God is still searching. God is still searching. We are the man that can hear the sounds of heaven. Because the trumpet is making the sound. No man can hear. No man can say restore. Because everyone has made his belly his God. But the generation will rise. the same and so God is looking for the watchers the guardians the intercessors the people that services the altar but we are too self-centered to do the business of the altar the fire we go out the fire how many can tend the presence how many has the capacity to stay on the altar he spoke about Ezekiel he said for 390 days lie on one side and for 390 days a man stayed on the altar tending the presence of God. Where are such men? Where are they? Where are they? He said Philip went to Samaria. He preached Christ there. The city was full of joy. Those are apostolic missionaries. They enter territories and they shut it down. But where are such men? Jonah went to Nineveh and he said as Jonah cried he was not a preacher. He said, go and cry against Nineveh. As he cried, the king tore his garment and fell on his faces. Even animals fasted because a man entered the city. We are such men. He spoke concerning Nehemiah. He said, Nehemiah lost his peace because the walls of Jerusalem were shattered. He was in government, but he carried the burdens of God. Those are apostles in government. We are such men. All our governmental apostles take pride in black jeeps, land cruisers, Lamborghinis, building houses across the world, and the heritage of God is desolate. We are the men, the women in the palace that will say, if I perish, I perish. Because we don't know the love of the Father. 
We don't know the love that constrains. We don't know the love that makes you a prisoner of Christ. Paul started, he said, I'm an apostle. He went further, he said, I'm a servant. He went further, he said, I'm a prisoner. He had come to the fullness of the understanding of the love of God. Our numbers count for nothing. This is a generation that brags about membership in church and not citizenship in Zion. Church membership means nothing unless citizens emerge in Zion. 10 million Christians gather and they cannot change something in eternity. What is the problem? Because we have not known the love of the Father. We are still living for ourselves. Every one of us at one level or the other can still be bargained. And so today the Lord shows us the cross again. The cross. You know the feast of trumpet is actually the feast of repentance. Can we pray in the Holy Ghost for one minute? Yeshua we do to be saved that was how this man ministered the message of the covenant today people hear our messages they are fornicating people hear our messages they are eating feasting and dining because it doesn't get to the heart it gets to the brain we talk to the brain we are intelligent people we are scholars we are polished but they can't see God they can't see the governments of Elohim 3,000 heard one message and they were caught in their heart. The Bible said when Jonah cried, the whole of Nineveh, Nineveh repented. Men hear our messages and they are dancing. They hear our messages, they are fornicating because the government, the government can be transmitted. The government is not preached, it is lived. When you leave it, it flows out of you when you preach. It flows out of you when you sing. It flows out of you when you dance. It's not, a, it's not primarily a message. It's a life. The life of total devotion to God. That's why we are raising a band of godless people. Because ourselves are godless. Yeshua. 
a generation that uses the altar to extort. This is a generation that uses the altar to fight one another. This is a generation that uses the altar to instill bitterness when the spirit realm is vacant. There is war in heaven, but there is no one to say restore. No one. Mantles are wasting in the spirit because there's no one to say restore. The Lord sent me to you tonight because there are graces awaiting you arrive, arising. There are graces, there are mantles, there are dimensions waiting. But God is looking for that man that will submit his life on the altar and say, Behold thy sacrifice. I'm a burnt offering. Lord, have your way. Those are the kind of men God is looking for. If we don't begin from here, then we can't go too far. Because God may begin with blessing us and we will end up with mammon. God will begin with blessing us and we will end up with all kinds of seductive spirits because the foundations are porous. Can we pray in the spirit and repent and ask the Lord to help us? I don't know where you are. I don't know. This is not a declaration of self-righteousness. I have heard. And so when God speaks, it's a double-edged sword. Can we repent tonight? And say, Father, let this grace not pass us by. Let this city not pass us by. Let this man to not pass us by. If there is a calling, Lord, find me faithful. of the Lord. When the feast of trumpet is called, the first thing you hear of is a solemn assembly. There must be repentance. That's where the journey begins from. Because if there's no repentance, the heritage of God cannot be delivered to a generation. Some of us standing here tonight, our world is waiting for the sounds of God that is in our spirit. But God cannot open the gates. There are graces that we shall manifest long ago. But we have not repented. We have not come under the government. Ah, 
Can you ask God to help you tonight? That's the first essence of the blowing of the trumpet. Can you ask him to help you? To help you tonight. There is something that we fall here in a moment. But can you ask the Lord to help you so you can catch something tonight? and sisters your steps were ordered to this place because this is your season the Lord has made up his mind that this time around he will not let you go in the next one minute something will begin to happen here because he told me that the bearers of fire they will come here the seraphims will come here. In the next one minute, quickly, can you just open your heart to the Lord and tell him whatever you desire. I'm ready. This time around, no going back. I'm ready. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord.
me can you just lift your hands toward heaven as a sign of surrender if you know you'll be distracted you can just close your eyes I'm left with just three minutes and so I don't want to do it with so much intensity we can manage time but hear this the Lord told me he said tonight he will raise people gatekeepers because there will be exchange of God in the spirit in this world there will be exchange of God and so seraphims are coming here to anoint men and to impart them I see 24 in the spirit there are ordinations about to be activated ushers help them now 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 the fire that comes from the altar the fire of the presence the fire that comes from the altar i release that fire now name of Jesus just play the keyboard for me slowly the Lord is equipping functionaries some of you your hands literally will become as heavy as a rock for some of you your hand will begin to burn with a flame for some of you your legs will be set on fire for some of you now as I speak your heart will become cold as though there's an ice block on your chest there are different equipments eyes that see ears that hear hands that work miracles feet that bring glad tidings if you are standing by anybody please become an usher now 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 take that grace take that grace Malek some of them will start running. Help them. Help them so they are not injured. It's a time of impartation. Please help them. Baketekara. Baranos. Baketekira. Bariado. Velekai. Velekaya. Swate. Kabakano.
that are being awakened and decorated tonight towards my left here I see a fire burning and the Lord said it's a calling to priesthood all of you that are priestesses of the altar watch us in the spirit wherever you are now by the spirit come up here come up here come up here my God man with power and capacity on the altar like Samuel like Moses in the name of the Lord receive that grace in the name of Jesus I see doors open in the spirit and this is not just doors of prosperity these are doors and gates into territories and into nations and the Lord says he's raising apostolic missionaries with mantles to take nations now wherever you are by the message of God by the grace of God and by the calling and the authority of the office I summon you now from the front to the back from the left to the right those entering those doors in the name of Jesus, enter now. Enter. Enter. On ground and on line. Enter. And finally, the man God is setting up in government and in the economy. Powers with finances and powers with policy making apostles of commerce apostles of governments now we are in a dispensation of transition and so God is giving places to men because the next dispensation 
is the Davidic era. And so God himself is raising men and giving them influence. And so because you are here under this cloud, in the name of Jesus, take your place now. 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 In the name of Jesus. I prophesy over you. This is the 1st of September. And this is the month of spiritual beginnings. In the name of Jesus. Every corruption. Every defeat. And every weakness. That followed you from the beginning of the year. They expire now. They expire now. They expire now. And hear the word of the Lord now. Arise, shine. For thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is revealed upon you. Rise up with the strength of the Spirit. Receive grace to conquer. Receive grace to subdue. Receive grace to overcome. Receive grace to replenish. Receive grace to multiply. In the name of Jesus. He said, Whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Evil, our faith. And he said, As the wind bloweth, thou listest not from whence it cometh or where it goeth. So are they that are born by the Spirit. The month of new beginnings is also the month of betting. And so now, in the name of Jesus, I speak over you. Become like the wind. Become like the wind. No attack of the enemy will find you. The machinations of darkness over your life, they have failed. And everything connected to you is preserved. Because you have repented tonight, receive the power to prosper. Receive the power to get wealth. He said in Psalm 1 verse 1 Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsels of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor is seated in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on this law doth he meditate day and night he is like the tree planted by the rivers of living waters who produces fruit in his season and its leaf never wither. In the name of Jesus the Lord, become like the cedars of Lebanon. Produce your fruit in your season and let none of your leaves wither. Everything dying in your life, I prophesy, they return back to life. And everything you have lost, I decree they are restored. And every potential on your inside, I command them to come alive. Prosper and excel in the name of Jesus. The Lord keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. You're going out and your coming in is blessed. Your tomorrow will not will be nothing compared to your today. And your today will be nothing compared to your tomorrow your yesterday will be nothing compared to your today and your today will be nothing compared to your tomorrow for the path of the just 
is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day and so in the name of Jesus shine 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 and finally I decree over you it said the hand of God was upon Elijah and he outran the chariots of Ahab there are those who crawl there are those who walk there are those who run but there are those who fly in the name of Jesus fly receive speed by the spirit what took your father 20 years do it in one month what took your mentors 10 years do it in one month what took your leaders 10 years do it in one day receive speed now in the name of Jesus give the Lord a shout Thank you for listening to this message. We believe you've been blessed. To find out more about the household of David, visit www.householdofdavid.org or follow us on YouTube. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Mixelar. God bless you.